believe with me? You see how many pages I got in here this morning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we started on a series last week. Does anybody remember what the title of it was? Wisdom. Get wisdom. So we're going to cover, you know, a few things this morning about what we... How many of you were not here last week? Ooh. Ah. Wow. As Keith says. Get the tape. Yeah. Get the tape, because we don't have time to go over it, because there's lots of stuff to cover this morning. But I'll cover a couple of things. If you would for me, put up Proverbs 4. Um, let's see, I'm echoing quite a bit in here this morning. Can you all hear that echoing? Yeah. I'm loud enough probably without even a microphone, but we just need the microphone for the tape. <laughs> yeah. So um, Proverbs 4, verse 5. It says, get wisdom, get understanding, and forget it not. So that's what we want to do. We want to get wisdom and get understanding. And then verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, what? Get wisdom. Now that, that's enough said, right? If the Bible says to get something, what should we do? Get it. Get it. There we go. And verse 8 says, Exalt her and she will do what? Who doesn't like promotion? I didn't think so. Everybody likes promotion. So exalt her and she'll promote you and she'll bring you to honor when you embrace her. So everybody likes those things. So let's find out some more about wisdom and do what we need to do to get some wisdom. So we're going to, last week we talked about two different kinds of wisdom though. There's one kind of wisdom we want nothing to do with, right? Did we decide that last week? How many of you decided that? Right. I decided I don't want anything to do with the devilish kind of wisdom. And I'll tell you what they were. Some of the things were bitty, bitter envying and strife. How many of you remember some of those things? Yeah, we don't want anything to do with bitter envying of other people's stuff. Do you know what? God will give you your very own. Why should you envy anything anybody else has? God is your source, and he will give you better than anybody else has. You don't have to desire to be anybody else. Because you know what? If you become anybody else, you're only second-rate them. You can be first-rate you, but you can only be second-rate them. Do you understand that? I used to try to be like Keith when I spoke, but I realized I will never be Keith Moore. Thank God. Because he is very, very studious. I mean, he can study for endless hours. And I'm like, I think my eyes would pop out of my head. It's just not me. It's not who I am. Everybody has a different personality, and everybody does things differently. He likes to know the tech. He will study every switch and knob, and I'll get in the airplane, and I'll say, what does this do? And we'll get something new, and he will want... We don't buy anything new except for the manual is sitting right there beside it, and he can read the manual from front to back to tell how it operates. Me, I'll say, read this and tell me what it does. Show me how to do it. Yeah. How many of you are like that? Be honest. Okay. Now, how many of you read the manual lid to lid? Look at you. Look at... See? Why did God create us all different? Because we're different people. So don't try to be somebody else. Be who God created you to be. And you can be a first-rate you. And a second-rate somebody else, right? 
Okay, so don't don't strive and envy to be somebody else. Uh, uh, let's see, we're in James three thirteen. Let's look at that. This is King James. We'll read it really quickly so we can go on. Okay, King James. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? How many of you are wise men? Oh, wait a minute. You're not even raising your hand. Come on. This is an opportunity. Make a good confession. All right. Let's try it again. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Both hands should go up in the air and both feet. Come on. All right. There you go. A wise man and endued with knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now, here's the devilish part. I put it in dark colors. You can see it's dark. Yeah. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly and sensual and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. I'm going to read it to you out of another translation in case you weren't here. Last week, uh, the Message Bible says, Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish... Convi- uh, con- what, y'all tell me that word. What was it again? Conniving. There we go. Conniving. Um, see, y'all have to help me out. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or to get the better of others, things fall apart and everything ends up at others' throats. That's not a good thing, right? That's devilish wisdom. Now, how many of you want any part of that? So we, we don't want to stick our hands, put your hands underneath you now. We don't want any part of that, right? No part of that kind of wisdom. But this next part we want a part of. Let's read it. Godly wisdom. Verse seven, back, 17, back in the King James. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. It is the fruit of righteousness. It is sown in peace of them that make peace. Say, that's me. That's me. me. Glory to God. And I'll read it to you out of the Message Bible again. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. That says it all. Now we're going to start on today. Are you ready? That caught everybody up. You got it, right? You don't have to understand a whole lot to understand. I want godly wisdom and not devilish wisdom, right? Amen. Not confusing. So we'll start today with something. I, I'm, I'm kind of funny with my husband. You know, he left yesterday morning. He got up early, and he left. And I texted him about, I guess it was, he left real early because there was weather going to be in Tulsa. So I texted him, and it was like 9.30 yesterday morning. I said, did you know? Now, this is funny. You'll get a kick. Did you know there was a spirit of wisdom? And here's the verse, and and I said, um, just like there's a spirit, I already knew it too, but I'm picking on him. I said, did you know there was a spirit of wisdom? And he said, yeah. And 30 seconds later, I get a text back, yes, here's the verses. Bop, 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 bop. 
I thought, oh. I call him my walking concordance because before you could even, I mean, he just landed the plane. He puts landed. I said, did you know there's a spirit of wisdom? He is still in the cockpit of the plane. 30 seconds later, he texts me where the verses are about the spirit of wisdom. Now, that's my walking concordance. That's what I call him all the time. So if I can't find a verse, I just think of, you know where that's talking about, sweetheart, where it says this? You know, that's like reading the manual. How do I do this? You understand, right? That's my walking concordance. So uh, he is just so sharp. He's sharp as a tack. Okay? So that's why I love him, though. See? God gave you one like that, too. And if you'll honor the things he has in him, he'll give him better. There you go. So I want to talk to you this morning about the spirit of wisdom. Did you know, just like there's a spirit of faith. Did you know? Did you know there was a spirit of wisdom? Did you know it? You can get and yield to a spirit of wisdom just like you can yield to a spirit of faith. It's a good thing. It can make you very, very wise. Well, let's find out about it, okay? Exodus 28, verse 3. And, of course, he told me this one right off. This is King James. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, wise-hearted, whom I have filled with what? The spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Now, you may think, Why in the world would you have to have a spirit of wisdom to make a garment? Why would you have to, I mean, a spirit of wisdom? People might think, now you might have to have a spirit of wisdom to be a scientist. Or you might have to have a spirit of wisdom to be a... What are some of the big things that there are? A brain surgeon. Or you might have to have a spirit of wisdom to be a physicist. Or you might have to have a spirit of wisdom to be um, some brilliant something or another. Right? A rocket scientist, yeah. Or an astronaut. Or some bright something. But how many of you ever thought of Someone that worked in a factory and sewed a garment needed a spirit of wisdom. Honest. Now, now, now be honest for just a minute. Didn't you always think of that kind of as low man on the totem pole, manual labor? Be honest in here. You forget who you're talking to. We're honest now. They hire the little kids in other countries to do this job, right? Sweatshops, right? But God says, God says, God says, God says, Thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with a spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments. Now, look at it in the New Living Translation. It says, Instruct all the skilled craftsmen 
whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, have them make the garments for Aaron, that they will distinguish him as a priest set apart for my service. Now let me go on and explain to you why they had to have a spirit of wisdom. And I'll explain it to you by reading a few of the next verses. Okay? Are you ready? Put them up on the screen, verse 4. These are the garments they are to make. A chest piece, an ephod, a robe, a patterned tunic, a turban, a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons to wear when they serve me as priests. So give them fine linen cloth, gold thread, and blue and purple and scarlet thread. Design of the ephod. The craftsman must make the ephod of finely woven linen and skillfully embroider it with gold and with blue and purple and scarlet thread. It will consist of two pieces, front and back, joined at the shoulders with two shoulder pieces. The decorative sash will be made of the same materials, finely woven linen embroidered with a gold and blue and purple and scarlet thread. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the tribes of Israel. Six names will be on each stone arranged in the order of the births of the original sons of Israel. Engrave these names on the two stones in the same way a jeweler engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in the settings of the gold filigree. Fasten the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a reminder that Aaron represents the people of Israel. Aaron will carry these names on his shoulders as a constant reminder whenever he goes before the Lord. Make the settings of the gold filigree, then braid the two cords of pure gold and attach them to the filigree settings on the shoulders of the ephod. Design of the chest piece. Then the great skill then with great skill and care, make a chest piece to be worn for seeking a the decision of the Lord. Make it to match the ephod. Use finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue and with purple and scarlet thread. Make the chest piece of a single piece of cloth folded to form a pouch, nine inches in square. Mount four rows of gemstone on it. The first row will contain a red cardigan and a pale green peridot and an emerald. And the second row will contain a turquoise and blue lapis and lazilia and a white moonstone. And the third row will contain an orange jacinth and an agate and a, blue, a purple amethyst. And the fourth row will contain a blue-green beryl and an onyx and a green jasper. All these stones will be set in gold filigree. Each stone will represent one of the 12 sons of Israel. Now, do you get my picture? Yes. How many of you in your heads immediately understand how to build this garment? How many of you could sit down immediately and build this garment just by hearing this? That's yeah. Well, actually, it was two pieces, but yeah, it was. It's close. I mean, two pieces of clothing that had to be built. Just by these instructions, you sit down and you read it. They needed the spirit of wisdom in order to be able to do it. But the thing about it was they were not lacking in the spirit of wisdom. God had given it to some of them to be able to do their jobs. But that is where we are lacking today. Do you understand it? People are getting up every single day of their lives and they're trying to go about their lives as if they don't have help. They're trying to go about their lives and saying, God, I'm not going to be a rocket scientist. I don't need anything. But you do. Amen. 
He didn't leave us here without things. He sent the greater one, the Holy Ghost, which is a part of the spirit of wisdom, to come and live inside of us. And he gives us this spirit of wisdom. It says, for seek for wisdom. It's Proverbs, and we'll get into it. Seek wisdom more than you do for gold. Seek wisdom more than you do pearls or fine treasure. How many of you get up in the morning and you seek God? Give me wisdom. 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 Give me wisdom more than money. Or how many of you get up in the morning and think, God, I got to have that money to pay my bill. God, I got to have that money to pay my bill. God, I got But do you know what? If you could read this and put this garment together just that quick, do you know how rich you could be? Do you know how many people would come and be knocking on your door for your services? Because you could build a garment and make things that people couldn't make. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. So you had to have skillful wisdom in order to build these garments for the priest because they had to be done exactly right. Now, we could go on and read, and you can read it for your own self. Uh, you've got a Bible, right? How many of you here don't have a Bible this morning? Raise your hand. Ushers, hand them a Bible. They need to see this for their very own selves. And if you don't own a Bible, how many of you in here don't own your very own Bible? Be honest. You know, we're honest in here. Keep that one that they're giving you. If they're handing you a Bible and you don't own your very own Bible, just keep that one. Everybody should have a Bible that they can mark in and write their name in the front of and take home with them. Now, don't steal it. If you got one, don't steal it. You're in God's house. <laughs> you know what happened to people that lied in God's house, right? Woo-hoo! We got lots of ushers in here. They can haul you right out the back just like they did them. Woo, get a hearse, Yeah. Call the hearse and the choir. Got to bury another liar. Oh, 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 oh. Oops, I said it out loud, didn't I? Okay. Here we go. Let's go to another one while we're on track here. Deuteronomy. Chapter 34. Verse 5. Now, Moses, this is the NIV. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. NIV. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. And the Lord said, He buried him in Moab in the valley of, uh, in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. I didn't have to read this part, but I thought you'd want to know it. Because that can be you, right? The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with what? The spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord commanded Moses. Now, does anybody remember any slight story about Joshua? Just a wee tiny story about something that Joshua was able to accomplish that nobody else was able to accomplish. 
he takes somebody into the promised land. Do y'all recall that little wee bitty thing that he was able to do that nobody else was able to do except for Caleb? Do you wonder if this spirit of wisdom that he got on him this very day carried over in his life into the little decisions he made so that when he went into that promised land and he saw the giants and he saw all the other things that was going on around him, God said, hey, look, those things don't mean anything. But he gave him that spirit of wisdom to be able to overcome the things that were happening to him every day. It didn't matter what he saw. He saw the end result of what was going to happen. Can you have that very same spirit of wisdom that it doesn't matter who or what's going on around you? You can be like Joshua. You can be like if everybody around you is saying negative reports, if everybody around you is saying something bad, if everybody around you is saying the economy is going down the tube, what can you have? You know, Brother Hagen used to tell this story. He said, you know, Back in the 70s, was it the 70s? Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, when the money got so tight, um, the first part of the 70s, I think it was, money got so tight that so many companies and stuff went belly up or something like that. Was it a Black Monday that in the 70s? When was it? Yeah. And uh, he said, the Lord dealt with him, don't fire any of your staff, don't let anybody go, don't let anything, you know, don't turn anything loose, but do this. Tighten your belt. Now, does anybody know what I mean by that? Tighten your belt. In other words, stop the extravagant spending and put some money away. Tighten your belt. Now, that is a spirit of wisdom as to what to do. So that when the future came, he knew that he would be ready and set for whatever was going to happen that day. And when that day came, they were okay. Well, it's the same thing with Joshua. As time came, everybody kept giving him the bad reports, the bad reports, the bad reports. Well, the same thing happened to Brother Hagin. This is going to happen. We're going to have to close our doors. This is going to happen. If you've ever heard him, tell about it. Everybody kept telling him, this is going to happen. The ministry is going to go under. This is going to happen. The ministry is going to go under. But he said, nah, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. How did he have the confidence to say, no, we're going to be okay? Because the spirit of wisdom had already told him, tighten your belt. Now, what if he wouldn't have listened and he just kept spending? Would he have been okay? No. You can't ignore the spirit of wisdom and be okay. When he tells you to do something, what do you got to do? Do it. And if you tighten your belt, and what a lot of people will do is they'll take the money that they should spend the $100 on groceries that week and go out and spend it on lunch today. And see, that's not the spirit of wisdom. When the whole time that they're going, they're thinking, you know what, we should probably save that and spend it on groceries this week and eat all week on that, where they'll go out to lunch today and blow it. That's not the spirit of wisdom. Do you understand? There's a difference between the two. 
So we can't ignore the spirit of wisdom. So Joshua used the spirit of wisdom all through those years and all the things that he had happening in his lives. He goes on to tell all the stories of things that happened in Joshua's life. And we won't try to read them because there's some things I want to get to. But you understand, because of this spirit of wisdom, he and Caleb saw things, the end result, instead of what was right before them. Right? Because of this spirit of wisdom. All right, let's keep going. Y'all understand what's going on, right? In the morning, what do you get up and ask for? Wisdom. Isaiah 11, verse 1 in the NIV. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From its roots, a branch will bear fruit. Who is this talking about? Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The what? Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge in the fear of the Lord. And his delight will and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears, but he but with righteousness will he judge the needy, and with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Listen to it in the Message Bible. A green shoot from Jesse's stump. A green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump from his roots, a budding branch. The life-giving Spirit of God will hover over him. The spirit that brings wisdom and understanding. The spirit that gives direction and what? Are you lacking some strength? The spirit of wisdom gives strength. The spirit that instills knowledge and the fear of God. Fear of God will be all his joy and delight. He won't judge by appearances, won't decide on the basis of hearsay. He'll judge the needy by what is right, render decisions on the earth's poor with justice. His words will bring everybody, will bring everyone to awed attention. A mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked. Each morning he will pull on sturdy work clothes and boots and build righteousness and faith in the land say that's me too I'm a child of God Ephesians um, 1 9 talks about this and then we're going to go on and I'm going to tell you about some of the benefits of wisdom so let's read Ephesians 1 9 and then we're going to get really into some things that I think is going to help you this morning Ephesians 1 9 in the NIV I know I've given you a lot of scriptures this morning. But you can go back and read them over again. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ, In him, say, I I was also chosen, 
having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. And you who were also included in Christ when you heard of this word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, have been, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, uh, the promised Holy Spirit, who is your what? Guarantee, Guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption um, of the, those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So what I'm trying to get at is everything that was promised to them is promised to you, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge. It's part of your inheritance in the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's not a person in here that can't wake up in the morning and say, okay, I need wisdom and get it. And we're going to get into some things that you're going to have some wisdom about. So hang on just for one second and turn with me, if you would, verse 17. You got it right there probably. I keep asking God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he would give unto you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would know him better, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you would know what you got in Phyllis' words. And that's what the spirit of wisdom is about. That you would know what already belongs to you and what you can receive from the Lord. That's the basis of what it's about. The spirit of wisdom is that you could know, that you could talk to God and he could tell you how to deal with everything that's going on in your life. And it already belongs to you as a child of God. It's your inheritance. It belongs to you. Say, it belongs to me. It belongs it's, mine. it's mine. I have it. I have it. I'm not looking for it. Looking for I, have it. it. I have it. So if you have it, you're going to be able to do these things that we're about to talk about. How many of you have it? I see some hands not raised. Let's try it one more time. How many of you have it? Okay, good. Right. Because this next part, I want to make sure that you got we're going to start on what wisdom will do for you. This is point one. You ready? Now that we know we can have the spirit of wisdom, wisdom will do this. Wisdom will consider the end result. Wisdom, Proverbs 13, 16 in the New Living Testament. Put it up on the screen. What does that say? Wise people. Now, I thought it was just me that couldn't read. Okay, let's try that again. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. Now, let me ask you a question again. How many wise people do I have in here? Some of you are not raising your hand. I don't want to ask the second part. How many wise people do I have in here? Okay, yeah. All right, so I want to read you the next verse that I have down here immediately before I go any further. Proverbs 9, verse 7 through 12 in the NIV. Because I need to know something for my own self before I go one step further, okay? It says, Whoever 
corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. I want no abuse. I ha how many wicked people do I have in here? Okay, let me talk to the camera. How many wicked people have I got on the internet this morning? I don't want any letters. I won't read them. Dave will read them. Rob will read them. Dan, Tom, somebody read them. No letters, okay? No wicked people, right? Next verse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he'll hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he'll love you. Okay, keep going. Instruct a wise man and he will what? Teach a righteous man and he will what? Add to his learning. Verse 10, keep going. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Keep going. For though through many days, uh, we will, for though your days will be many, the years will be added to your life. Keep going. If you are wise, your wisdom will be rewarded. And if you're a mocker, what? So let me ask this question again. In this room, how many mockers do I have? How many's not going to like what we talk about this morning? Mockers. Come on, be honest. Okay, on the internet, let's, let's pretend like we can see them. I don't see a one. Do y'all see a one? We only have wise people, right? Okay. A whole slew of wise people this morning. So we're only going to get smarter in here this morning. Me included, right? Okay, good. All right. All right. Um, we're going to add to our wisdom and get smarter. So let me tell you, how many of you were here Friday night? You heard Keith tell the story about wanting to kick someone. I want to tell you the rest of the story. How about it? Y'all really want to know? A wise person thinks before he does what? He acts. I'm going to tell you the whole story. And you tell me who's the wise person. This takes wisdom. Okay. This is when we were flying commercial. Thank God that we don't have to fly commercial anymore. Okay. We are flying commercial. We've got a man that is sitting behind us in this commercial airplane. Okay. The man is drinking faster than he can swallow. One, we're in business class. He's drinking one drink after another, after another, after another. He got so passed out, drunk almost, that he could hardly tell you his name. Well, the next thing I know, there is this hand coming between the seats. Oh, it was not good. And he grabbed hold to me inappropriately. That's all I will say. And he did it once. And I thought, I imagined this, and I slapped it. Well, it happened again. Well, it happened three times, and I, I mean, I whacked it. Well, when it happened the third time, I thought Keith was going to come out of his seat because I didn't say anything to him at first because he was asleep. And But the third time, man, he was awake. And he was awakened, ready to come up over that seat and let that man have it, drunk or not drunk. But let me ask you a question. I could have been, you're not going to protect me, you're not going to take care of me. Or, think about it, there are air marshals today on every flight, okay? 
Had Keith have done anything, there's not a person in the world that saw that man do anything. All it would have been was Keith being hauled off that flight, being arrested, spending the night in jail, being lawsuits, being all over the newspaper, all over the... How many of you saw uh, Victoria Osteen all over the news about the small deal that wound up not being a deal but wound up not being her fault but was all over the newspaper and they had to pay millions of dollars for lawsuits and everything else that wasn't even their fault? Wasn't a good deal. Well, that's exactly what the devil wants. But he could have been standing up and protecting my honor. And he would have been exactly right. There would have been no reason for this man to be able to get by with that. But, but, a wise man thinks before he acts. Did it make me think he didn't love me any more than what he did? Absolutely not. It made me think, he's a lot smarter than most people. Because I didn't want, we were tired, we were coming in from a trip, it was late at night. Who would have wanted to get arrested and spend the whole rest of the night dealing with that situation? When the flight was over, we got off the plane, we went home, we got in our beds, we went to sleep, it was over with. I sat on the edge of my seat the rest of the night, the rest of the flight. Now, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And we're always going to have to deal with things in the world. There's never going to come a time in your life where you do not have to deal with the world. There's never going to come a time in your life where you don't have to deal with somebody making an insult or saying something or doing something that you don't like. But what you do have to think about is when I'm done with this situation, what are the people around and even that person going to think of me when I'm done? How did I handle this situation? What about the end result? Am I going to be able to come back and minister to that person when everything is said and done? That is what a wise person does. They consider the end result. They consider the person's feelings. They consider the people around them's feelings. They consider what's going to happen when you do it. You go into a store. I'll tell you another story. We first got to Branson. We were renting this little house. We were getting the church. I was the only one there. Our staff was off in another state. I was trying to get everything done. I was trying to do this. I was trying to get us in a place to stay. And... I don't, and to this day, I don't know if it was my fault. They say it was the lady's fault, but I'll be honest with you. I don't know if it was my fault or the lady's fault. Somehow the electric bill didn't get changed over, and somehow we were renting this house, and it was late. The lady said, the electric company says it was her fault because she was supposed to do something or another, and she didn't do it. But I don't know if it was my fault. I'm not going to tell you a lie. But anyway, with trying to build the church and get it going, we were like, uh, a day and a half late and so the lady from that we were leasing the house from she was an elderly lady and she got in fear and so she called them and she said this isn't done oh no oh no I don't have the money to pay it I don't have the money to pay it and and so uh, I went over there and I said oh I am so sorry let me take care of this right now I want to fix it and the lady that was taking our money she watched every move that I made I mean, she watched every motion that I made. She watched every word that I said. I could have gone in there and chewed her out because they cut our electricity off. I mean, they didn't waste any time. And I could have said, 
you could have at least called me. You could have done this. You could have done that. Da 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 da. And blown my top and acted like a heathen. But I didn't. I said, I'm sorry. Let me take care of it. And matter of fact, can we call this lady right now? I know she's, uh, you know, elderly, and I know she's concerned. Can we call her right now and tell her it's taken care of? And and, and I tell her I'll actually send her some extra for the trouble that it caused her. And 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 I fixed it. What I did not know was the lady that I was dealing with there at the electric company. Her name actually happens to be Donna Ashley, and it's going out all over the world. She knows it. I've told it a dozen times since it happened. Is one of our main people in our church, was there at our very first service. Her husband has played lead guitar for us for 10 and a half, 11 years now. She said, she didn't tell me this till it was all done a month later. She said, I was watching every move you made. I was trying to decide if we were coming to your church or not, if you were real or you were not real. I was trying to decide if you were all talk or you were just show and tell. And what we have found year after year after year after year after decade is every place we go, it seems like there's somebody watching us. But they don't tell us till we leave. (laughs) They're watching everything we're doing. And they don't tell us till we get ready to go. Oh, we're one of your partners. We're this, we're that. But you know what? I got news for you. You want to know a secret? Y'all don't want to know. Y'all want to know? They're watching you. They are watching you just like they were watching us. And they are seeing if this God you serve is really who you say he is. And he's really all you cut him out to be. And if you act like a heathen when you go in to pay your cell phone bill and they didn't do what they said they were going to do and they messed up on everything and they didn't get anything right and you go in there and you throw your phone down on the counter and you chew them out, think of the end result. What if next Sunday that person is sitting in church right next to you? Huh? Wisdom doesn't do that. What? Put that verse back up on the screen for me. Let's see. Uh, Proverbs 13, 16. No. No. Uh, Proverbs 13, 16, New Living. Proverbs 13, 16, New Living. Wise people do what? Think before they act. How many wise people did we say we had in here? So will we begin to think before we act? Okay. What about gossip? How many of you have ever gossiped about somebody and before you could get home, somebody had already heard about it and you were already feeling this in your stomach, you know, and it got back to them. And you think, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. A wise person stops their self before they say it because they know they're going to think before they act and they're going to stop this thing right underneath their... Zip it. 
because it's easier to zip it than it is to deal with the repercussions. A wise person thinks before they act. It doesn't cause... What kind of wisdom was it? That devilish stuff that causes what? Strife. And that's what gossiping does. Talking about your neighbor or talking about people around you or talking about the way people do. It thinks about the end result. Let's go on. Wise person... Oh, this is a good one. Proverbs 17, 28. Talking about gossiping. The New Living. Oh, I like this one. You'll like it too. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. See, that's how I became to look smart. How many of you saw, what what is the name of that Madagascar? You know, I, I learned me a new saying when that first came out. They know it. Yep. I learned me a new saying. Because used to, when I got nervous, you got it. When I got nervous, I was a rattle trap. I said everything I could think of and lots of things I shouldn't think of. I didn't think of. I just said them. How many of you are that way? Oh, it was it used to be that way. Don't confess it over your future. Gotcha. Used to say everything you could think of. So now, when I'm in a situation and I get nervous, I go, smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Right? When you get nervous, don't say things you'll regret. Just stand there and smile and wave. You look intelligent, even though your smile looks dumb. Yeah, who's got that? Yeah, there you go. Read it. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their what? They can seem intelligent. I have seemed intelligent to a lot of people. But y'all know the difference now. Okay, let's go on. Temper. Has anybody ever stomped off and done things and lost their job, lost their cool, said things that they wish they wouldn't have said? Absolutely. But wise men, Proverbs 10, NIV 14. Proverbs 10, 14, NIV. Wise men store up knowledge. But the mouth of fools invite ruin. You blow up yourself. You do things. You're inviting ruin to yourself. You're inviting calamity and bad things to happen to you. Because how many times that you've done that and you've blown up and you've lost your job, then you go home and guess what? Do you have food to eat? Do your kids have clothes to wear? Because you lost your cool in a five-minute thing because your boss said something you didn't like. Or your friend said something you didn't like and you lost your friend. Is it wise? Or is it wise to think of the end result? What I'm about to say, is it going to help somebody or is it going to hurt them? Can I take five seconds and think about my actions before I do them and is it going to bring a good result 
boomerang back to me? Or is it going to bring a bad result, boomerang, back to me? What does wisdom do? Can we all have the spirit of wisdom resting on us enough to where we know if we do this, it's going to bring us? The spirit of wisdom is for your benefit. It benefits you. Because whatever you throw out there, it's going to bring ruin back to you. The consequences are coming back on you, like you just said. So we don't want that. What about, think about this, the end result, drugs. How many of you know the end result of taking drugs? I mean, it looks pretty. looks good to a lot of people. Or affairs. They don't show you. It's like Keith has said so many times. On this billboard sign, this guy, uh, you've even seen him. You know, like the Marlboro Man. He's got one woman on this side, one woman on this side, a cigarette in this hand and a drink in this hand, right? They don't show you in five years from now he's got cancer and some uh, sexual disease and he's dying and nobody don't want him because his face is sagging. They don't show you any of that stuff. Just yesterday, Keith was talking with somebody and I thought, you know what, that is so good. He was talking to somebody about they had just got a house. And they were talking to him about, you know, we were in the world and we were serving God and people didn't think we could have this house serving God. And he said, you know what? He says, there's a lot of people in the world. He said, and they get things, but they're serving the world. But you know what? They don't get to keep them. They get sick and their money gets eat up with sickness. Or they get divorced and their ex-wives get all their money. Or they get in wrecks and they're in the hospital. Or this happens or that happens. But if you serve God, you have a protection. That all your income and all your wealth doesn't just get swallowed up in worldly stuff. How many of you know people in the world that's got two, three, four, five divorces that are paying all their income out? You see, it got too quiet in here because it's happening in the church too. That's the reason it got so quiet. But it doesn't have to be that way. God can promote you even though it's happened to you in the church. Amen. He can turn your life around. Yep. And he can make it good for you again. Amen. Because he's the God of goodness Amen. and prosperity. And what? Wisdom! He can make what was bad good. Make us wise. Even if our ex-wife is doing some really bad stuff, we'll talk about that for a minute. See, God just leads you down a track. Maybe your ex-wife has been or your ex-husband has been a pain beyond pains beyond pains. I was dealing with one the other day. This is what they said. They said, they give us receipts for things that is not supposed to be and make us pay them. I said, do you know what? You fight with them, the kids are going to hate you. They're not going to hate them, they're going to hate you. And you know what? How many of you have found that 10 years goes by just that quick? I mean, 10 years will go by just that quick, and the age between 18 and 80 is a long time. Do you understand what I'm saying? They may hoodwink them from the time that they're 5 till they're 18, but by the time that they get 18, they're going to get to make some decisions on their own. 
and they're going to get to find out who is truthful and who is not. So you may get to pay a little bit here and to pay a little bit there, but it's worth the love of your kids. Money can come from God in any way it needs to come. You so love. Do you understand what I'm saying? You show those kids love. I don't care. It doesn't matter if you think you don't have a right to see them. They're still your kids. You birth them, they're still yours. You so love into them. You make a way to show them you love them. I don't care if they're on another continent. You love them. Y'all hear me, right? God put you in their life for a reason. And that has not changed. You love them and you believe God for the money. Money is easy for God. Love is, is something you have to give them. Okay, guys? Don't get quiet on me on that because it's very important that we understand that we minister love to our kids more than anything. Don't let an ex something or another make you bitter. You remember where that bitter, what that bitter is? Devilish wisdom. And it will give you a devilish response to your ex whatever. It's devilish wisdom. And it will never give you a godly answer. If it, if it conveys bitterness, if it conveys selfishness, it's from the devil. devil. I don't care if it's your ex-wife. I don't care if it's your ex-boss. Uh, I don't care if it's your ex-next-door neighbor. Whatever it is, if it's got bitterness in it, it comes from the devil. Get rid of it. Whoever it's for, get rid of it. Now, God's talking to somebody in here this morning, so pay attention, okay? Let's not have it so that you can go on to the godly wisdom. Okay? Let's get rid of it. Okay. Um, let's go on to number two. Wisdom will help you be a good leader. How many of you are over somebody in something? Lots of hands. Wisdom will help you be a good leader. 2 Chronicles 1.7. Who was the wisest man in the Bible? Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man. I think it's real interesting that Solomon's brother tried to take the throne from him and God anointed Solomon and the very day that God anointed Solomon, he had to use the wisdom that God gave him. Because his brother tried to come in there and pull one over on him. Read about it sometime. We're not going to get into it, but it's very, very uh, interesting the way that things work. Second Chronicles 1.7 And that night God did appear to Solomon, and he asked him, Ask what, shall, what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David, my father, and hast, hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David, my father, be established. For thou hast made me king over a people, like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now what? Wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. 
For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked for riches or wealth or honor, nor the life of your enemies, neither yet hast thou asked for long life, but thou hast asked for wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto you. And, say and, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none other king have and that have have been before thee. Neither shall there be any after, after thee have the like. Some of these words are kind of backwards. Solomon asked for wisdom beyond everything in the whole wide world. And just like we said on the sowing, his wisdom brought him wealth. How many of you have jobs that it just seems like you just get annoyed and it just seems like you don't know the answers and you don't know what you're supposed to do? And it's just like, okay, with your teenagers or with your parents or with things that are going on in your life, you just can't seem to figure out what you're supposed to do. Well, there's wisdom in order to figure out what the next step is, where you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to do it, who's supposed to be helping you, uh, when you're supposed to be there, where you're supposed to be. But if you're trying to figure it out in this little pea brain thing, you're going to miss it. Because so oftentimes what we figure out with our natural minds is not the way that it's supposed to be. Let's read a story that Solomon had to figure out. 1 Kings 3. Most of you know the story, but I still want to take the time and tell you about it. Verse 16. There came two women. They were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, Oh, my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after I was delivered, or they had a baby. She had a baby, and this woman had a baby also. And we together, uh, and there was no stranger with us. In other words, there was no one else in the house, and it was only us two. And this woman's child died in the night because she laid on it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. And she laid it beside her, and the child uh, laid her dead child beside me. When I arose in the morning uh, to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it or looked at it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, no, this is your son, and the dead son is my son. And I'm paraphrasing this, as you can tell. Then the king said to one of them, uh, let's get this straightened out. Is this your son that lives? And is this your dead son? And he said, no, but the dead son uh, is her son, and this is my son. And the king said, bring me a sword. So they're standing there before the king arguing. No, this is my son. The living son is my son. You get the picture, right? They both want the living son because the son is dead. So the king says, bring me a sword. 
He said, let's take this kid and cut it in half. We're just going to divide it in half, and I'll give one half to you, and I'll give one half to you. And about that time, one of the women yelled. Guess which one it was? Of course, it was the mother. So he said, um, then this spake the woman whose living child it was, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, Oh, Lord, give her the living child. Don't kill it. But the other said, Neither let it be mine or hers. Divide it. And the king answered and said, Giving, Give the living child, and in no wise slay it. Uh, she is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had judged, and they said he was a wise, wise, wise king. How many of you would agree with that? Yes. Very wise. Well, now, how would... How many of you would have thought if somebody came to you and said, my child died in the night and she swapped babies with me, how many of you would have said, okay, let's get a knife or a saw? Let's just saw this baby in half right here. Spread it out. You grab one leg, I'll grab the other one. Let's just cut this thing in two and divide it. Where does that wisdom come from? Now, is there situations in your life? The reason that I'm getting that graphic is because I want you to understand things in your life that seem to appear so far out of balance and so far confusing and so far uh, without answer could be settled just that quick with the wisdom of God. It doesn't take long when you get the wisdom in go- of God involved in a situation for the answer to be right there. Yes. But when we're trying to figure it out with this devilish wisdom and we're trying to go about it to where we come out the winner and on top and we're always looking for our benefit, we're always looking for the right way and we're always looking to see what it would, it's going to look like for us. But if we just look to the Lord and we say, the Lord, and we say, Lord, show me what's the best way in this. Is this your way? Show me how to handle this. You'll get an answer. And you won't have to be seeking night and day. He'll give you an answer. Cut the child in two. You'll fix it with your teenagers, with your kids, with your ex-spouse, with your whatever the situation is. You could get an answer instantly and solve whatever situation you've been dealing with. I don't care if it's 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. The wisdom of God, the spirit of wisdom can come down upon you and give you an answer instantly for the situation you've been dealing with. Amen. To lead whatever you've been doing, whether it's your household, your job, your family, your friends. Maybe you're just having family problems with your extended family. Wisdom will give you the answer of the things that you need to deal with it. It'll cause you to lead. Now, this next one is kind of what we talked about, uh, wisdom to do your work. Exodus 28. Well, let's, let's go back one. Let's do this other one first. Wisdom is a witness to the world. How many of you have tried really, really hard to get family members or friends to love God? How many of you have tried over and over and over again to witness to somebody? And it's just like they just don't get it. 
and you've just gotten aggravated over and over and over and over again. And it's like they just don't see it. And you've preached to them 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 and they just don't get it. Maybe it's time we try something different. Do you know what I just did? Yeah. How many of you know the old light switches where you go in a house and pull the chain? Yeah. I just pulled the light on. First Kings, chapter 10, the New Living. We're going to talk about the Queen of Sheba. Don't get quiet. Y'all got just a few more minutes? If you don't, go home. I want to be wise. How many of you still want to be wise? Okay. You ain't got nothing more important than knowing how to deal with what comes up tomorrow. Because if you're wise, it'll cut what you're having to deal with down to an eighth the time that it's taking you to deal with it. And you'll have all this spare time that you think you don't have. Because wisdom can answer your questions just that quick that you've been trying to figure out all day long. Do you understand that? Wisdom is sharp. And if you're wise, you're sharp. Say, I'm sharp because I'm wise. Okay, wisdom. 1 Kings, chapter 10. Okay, verse 1. Let's start at verse 1. When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which did what? Look at the screen. Look at the screen. When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which did what? Which did what? Which did what? Which did what? I'm stressing this very importantly. Which did what? It brought honor to the name of the Lord. It wasn't trying to bring honor to Solomon. It was bringing honor to the name of the Lord. Everything Solomon did was to bring honor to the name of the Lord. All these things you're about to hear about that Solomon did, did what? Keep this in the back of your mind. When I read one thing, that brought honor to the name of the Lord. Okay? Think it wasn't for Solomon. What was the purpose of it? Here it is. To bring honor to the name of the Lord. She came to test him with hard hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold and precious jewels. When she met Solomon, she talked to him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all of her questions. Say, that brought honor to the Lord. Now the rest of you. That brought honor to the Lord. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. Why was that? Because of the wisdom of God. The spirit of wisdom rested on Solomon. He was the wisest man that there was because he asked for wisdom and God gave it to him. So he could answer any question. When the queen of Sheba realized 
how very wise Solomon was. And when she saw the palace that he built, say it with me, that brought honor to the Lord. She was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables. That did what? That brought honor to the Lord. And the organization of his officials. That did what? And their splendid clothing. That did what? And then the cupbearers. What did that do? Brought honor to the name of the Lord. And his offerings. What did that do? Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. Verse 7. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and I saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day and listen to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you in the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king. Now, it's like he didn't have enough. So you don't give to people that already have stuff, right? Right? Solomon was broke. Right? God said he gave him riches. And he did. She gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, great quantities of spices and precious jewels. Never again were there so many spices brought into the brought in as the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. In addition, harem ships brought in gold from Ophir, and they also brought in rich cargoes of red sandalwood and precious jewels. Now, what did the king do with this stuff? He used the sandalwood to make railings for the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and to construct lairs and harps for the musicians. Never before or since has there been such a supply of sandalwood. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba whatever she asked for besides all the customary gifts he had so generously given. Then she and all of her attendants returned to their own land. Now what was this point? It's a witness to the world. Now, let me explain to you why I chose this particular one. Over and over and over again, what you do with your life is a witness. How you look, how you appear, who you are, how you carry yourself, you are a child of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are an heir. You are God's child. Now let me ask you a question. If you were the king's kid in real life, 
Do you think you would go around like this all the time? Huh? If you were the king's kid, do you think? Now, we don't have kings here, but you, everybody knows Prince William and Prince Harry, right? Right? Do you think it's okay for Prince William and Prince Harry to leave the palace in rags? Do you ever see them in rags? Every time they go out, aren't they supposed to hold a certain standard when people see them? Isn't there a certain air that they're supposed to be? Because they are the king's kid? What about you? I'm not talking about snobby or snooty. I'm talking about that you know who you are in Christ. That you don't bow down to the world any longer and they can't put you down any longer and they can't make you feel inferior and they can't make you feel like a nobody and a nothing and they can't make you feel like you're worthless and invaluable. I don't care if it's your boss, if it's your neighbor, if it's your husband that's not saved, if it's some nobody on the street. You are a child of God and you are valuable to God. And you should never, ever, ever, ever let anyone make you look or feel inferior to God. But do you know why people do that? It is because of how we act. God gives us things and we don't value the things that he gives us. I guarantee you, This palace may not have been spanking brand new, but I guarantee you it was spotless clean. I guarantee you the cups were clean. I guarantee you their uniforms were spotless. Elsewise, why would the Queen of Sheba come with all these people to see it? Why would she bring an entourage to see what King Solomon had? Now, why did King Solomon do this? To bring honor to the name of the Lord. So he could say, my palace is cleaner than anybody else's palace. So he could say, my ushers have the best outfits on. So he could say, my church is cleaner than anybody else's church. Why do you do things the way that you do them, Mrs. Moore? Why do you require that people do certain things the way that they do them, Mrs. Moore? Huh? Do you know that we have people all the time coming to us and asking us questions? We want to bring a whole crew to come and watch and observe how you're doing this. We want to bring people that will come and see how you do this. Do you know it is an honor and a privilege to sweep the parking lot? Do you know it's an honor and a privilege? If you had the opportunity to get a pair of scissors and weed eat along the sidewalk for the Lord... that you could do that would bring glory to the name of the Lord 
will in turn bring glory to you. It takes a wise person to realize that when they're doing something for the kingdom of God, it brings honor and glory to them. Now, take for instance me. I could be up here today. And I could be in my cutoffs and a tank top and my hair pulled up in a ponytail and no makeup. And I want to ask you a question. How much respect would you have for me? Huh? Answer me, please. Be honest for a minute, please. That I didn't take any time this morning to get up and get dressed and put my makeup on or fix my hair or find me something to wear. That I just pulled on yesterday's sweats and a sweatshirt and some flip-flops and came up here. Huh? You don't think I'd do that, do you? No. But what if I did? What, what if I did? Am I supposed to honor God any more than you are? Huh? What's the difference in my honor for God and your honor for God? Am I supposed to honor God more than you're supposed to honor God? Is there a reason that some people get more from God than other people get from God? What would that reason be? Some people honor God more than other people honor God. If I were to walk out and make lock the doors and I say, Dan, you lock that side, Rob, you lock this side. Lock down the doors. And I were to lock down the doors. And I were to say, start here. Give me the keys to your car. And I were to start right there. And I, and I went out there and I checked your car. And I saw how clean it was. Are you faithful with your car? The one that God gave you? Are you faithful with your car? The one that God gave you. Are you faithful with your car? The one that God gave you. Are you faithful with your car? The one that God gave you. Are you faithful with your car? Is it clean? Is the carpet clean? Is everything clean in it? Is there or is there French fries all over it? Or is there crud all over it? Or is there coffee spilled in the cup holders? Let me tell you why I'm saying this. Is because if you are not faithful with what God gave you, He will never. Ever, 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 never, ever, 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 never, 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 ever give you more. It is, it is completely all over the Bible about being faithful with what you have. I don't care if it's a pair of holy jeans. I don't care if it's a car. I don't care if it's a house. I don't care if it's a shirt. I don't care what it is. You, I mean, people would... People think I am insane sometimes, and I am not insane. I believe in faithfulness. I can work here all day long, and I will go home, and I will clean my vehicles. I will clean my house. Why? Because I'm not tired? Yes, I'm probably just as tired or more tired than you. 
but you won't get in my vehicle and it'd have stuff all over it. You won't come in my house and it'd be dirty. And no, I don't have 12 people that clean my house. I do it. And I guarantee you, you have as much time as I do. Do you forget we have how many churches? Three a ministry. And we have one or two employees. And we have one or two different things going on. And one or two or three people needing us. It doesn't matter how much stuff you have going on in your life. If you're believing God for things, it matters your witness to the world. But what most importantly matters is it coming back to you. A wise person will take the time to invest in what God's given them. They will take the time to go home this afternoon and instead of taking that net, clean out that garage. Clean up that car. Clean up that house. Clean up whatever it is that you've got. Clean out that closet. Keith laughs at me beyond words. We've got a meeting coming up. I'll clean my closet spotless. I'll say, I don't have time when that meeting's going on to have to decide what i got to wear and try to find it. My closet is spotless. I can find this. I can find that. I can find this. Because when a meeting is going on, it's not the time to have to hunt everything down. And that's what's wrong in people's lives today. They've got so much chaos in their lives that there's no wisdom in their lives to straighten. God's dealing with them. Straighten this out and you'll have more time. Clean this up, you'll have more time. Do this, you'll have more time. Wisdom is profitable to correct and direct. You said, now I read you that verse. Now where was that verse? Put it back up there on the screen. Um, Let's see. Um, Y'all find it if you can for me about not hating me. Where was that verse? Proverbs 9, 7. Yeah, it says, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker. He'll hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he'll what? Only half of you said it. How many of you are wise in here this morning? That's right. God is trying to teach you something. Take care of what you have. I mean, I don't care if you've got a 1928 Studebagger. Now, my first car was a Rambler. Now, if you don't know what a Rambler is, you ain't miss nothing. It was my first car. It wasn't sweet. It was ugly. And it was black. And it was ugly. And I believed God that it would blow up, and it did. (laughs) And then I got a Mustang, which was a real car. But I took care of it. And that's what you've got to do, guys. Take care of what you have. Honor God. Just because we're up here in front of you, just because we're the ones that you're looking at, People get this thing in their minds. People are not looking at me. 
People are not noticing me. People don't know who I am. People don't care who I am. People don't recognize what I do. But don't be deceived. That is not a wise person. People at your job and people that live beside you and people that live around you and people that see you, they know who you are. And they know you serve God. And they see you drive up in that rattle trap that's nasty and stuff when you get out falls out on the ground. It's time you take a step up, but God can't promote you. Wise will promote you. But he can't promote you if you don't take care of what you got. And he wants to bring you up. And if you've got one pair of jeans and one shirt, you get them in that washing machine and you iron them. And you look good and you represent the Lord. Just like I represent the Lord. When I go out of my house, my mother in the faith taught me many decades ago. When you get up in the morning, you get dressed. Now, I've slacked a little bit some here. I'll be honest with you because I got tired. But I'm getting back on my track. Some days, the only thing I've slacked is some days I haven't put on my makeup. And I might scare you. (laughs) Really bad. I think I've scared Robin Dan a time or two. (laughs) But anyway, she taught me the very first thing you do when you get up in the morning. You get up. You get dressed. You don't know when you can get a call, you have to go to a hospital. You don't know when you get a call, you should have to do this. Well, it's not any different for me than it is for you. When you go out and you represent yourself, you are a what? You are a king's kid. You have a standard to uphold. You represent someone. You are not representing yourself any longer. You are representing the king most high. You people on the internet, it's the same way. Forget about just I represent me. Put a big sign on your mirror when you're getting ready. I represent the king, my father. And make sure you do when you leave the house in the morning. Make sure everything everybody sees. So, my point in saying this, the wise person does that so that when you walk up to somebody to witness to them, they see you. Do you think you can witness to somebody better in this outfit than you can in your pajamas? Definitely. Don't you feel like you would be more anointed to be able to stand up straight and say what you need to say? Do you feel like you could witness to somebody better in this outfit? You feel like you would have more backbone? Do you feel the same way? Yes, you do. Do you feel the same way? Yes, you do. Do you feel the same way? Yes, you do. How many of you in here feel the very same way? That you could witness better in what you have on than in... So when you leave the house, make sure you represent the Lord in such a way that if someone sees you and you need to witness to them, they may may see you and think, you're just the person I needed to come in contact with today. My life is falling apart. And God's going to give you the answer for them. You know, we're not coming in contact with every person in the world today. But you are. And you're the king's kid. And we are the witness to the world. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up with me. Thank you for letting me go a little bit longer. I told you I had a little bit more on these pages and I still didn't get to all of it, but I think it was real important that we get where we did. How many of you is actually going to do what I said today? 
How many of you is actually going to go home and, and I don't care how tired you are. Tired, you know what? Sleep is overrated. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's overrated. Blessings of God are what's rated. And wisdom is what's rated. Go home. Take care of what God's given you. Take care of it. Honor what He's given you. Lift it up and say, God, you gave me this car. I repent that I haven't valued the things that you've given me. This is my one talent. I'm going to honor it, God. This is my house. It may be a 1918 house, but I tell you what, it's going to be spick and span. Thank you, Lord. It's going to be the best that I can get it. And I, these curtains on the wall, they may have holes in them, but they, I'm going to take them down and I'm going to wash them and I'm going to iron them. They may fall apart when I do, but I'm going to do it. They're going to be clean. Do you understand what I'm saying? I did it. I know what I'm talking about. You're not looking at someone that didn't do it. I took the cushions off of a sofa. I put a zipper in them because they were so nasty. And I washed them. And they changed colors. But, hey, they were psychedelic, but they were clean. (laughs) (laughs) They were. And you can do anything with the wisdom of God. Well, I've never sown before. Well, it's a good time to learn. The wisdom of God will show you. And if He'll show them how to do it, He'll show you how to do it. Right? Clean that closet out. Match them shoes up. You ain't found that shoe in two years. You could have a whole new wardrobe. You represent the King. The King of all kings. He's our Father. And he's greater than any earthly king. And we represent him. We are his precious children. And he's given us everything we could ever need. But you know what? If you give your child, you give your child something and they don't take care of it, are you just going to turn around and give them more? If you're a good parent, you won't. If they don't take care of anything you give them, if you give them a car and they just go wreck it, and then you give them another car and they just go wreck it, and you give them another car and they just go wreck it, you're just going to keep giving them cars? Not if you're a good parent. You're going to train them and teach them how to use it before you give them another one. Well, that's what he's trying to do with us in here today, is train us and teach us how to use it. So let's do it. Say, Father, Father. I'm a wise man or woman. I'm a wise man. And I'm going to do what you show me to do. I ask you now to show me how to value all the things that you've given me. Whether it's wisdom to minister, whether it's wisdom to get stuff, whether it's wisdom to do a job, Whether it's wisdom to clean, whether it's wisdom to serve, whether it's wisdom to be a good husband or be a good wife, I'll value it and do exactly what you show me to do in Jesus' name. Thank you for it. Amen.